This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello and welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast where we talk about the Inheritance Cycle or the Aragon books. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And my name is Shelby or Sheacup. And before we get started, please like and review us on Apple or Spotify. You can leave us a five-star review with words or some kind comments on Spotify and we will read them out on a future episode of the show. And you can also join us on Discord. You can find that link in the episode description or by going to our website, cupspodcasting.com. And with that, let's get into it. So today we are talking about the horns of a dilemma. And so in the wake of Morzan's, or sorry, in the wake of Murtag's admission that he is the son of Morzan, Murtag is seen in a new light by Aragon, and he's not sure whether he might be working for the king or not. Murtag, of course, denies this, saying his father's choices are not his own and that his father was a horrible man. Aragon doesn't accept these excuses right away, but Saphir convinces him that Murtag would have already betrayed him if that were his goal. The Urgles arrive and Saphir begins to attack them, holding them off. So as they escape to the Varden entrance, At the falls, it turns out, however, that they are on the wrong side of the lake, and when they move, the Urgles move in. He falls into the falls and plummets into the water until an unknown hand pulls him free. The Urgles are being attacked by unseen archers from above, and Aragon and Saphir are pulled safely free of the water, or Aragon and Murtag are pulled safely free of the water, and the hand belongs to a dwarf who leads them into the tunnel where others are watching the battle. A purple-robed man is holding Murtag hostage with a knife to his throat, and they decide they must follow him. So yeah, lots of drama. A lot of drama. Also, this is stupid. Um, I don't know why I thought this, but this whole entire time, I've been thinking that the Varden were elves, like all of them. And we've yet to see a single elf in the Varden, so I don't know why I assumed that, but I did. Keep reading. It's going to be. You'll learn. Okay. Well, I assumed they were all elves, which has been demonstrated false already. But yeah, so let's back it up a little bit because we are resuming the stage at uh, Murtag's revelation to Aragon about his parentage. And the first line, the first three words, the first sentence of this chapter is something I didn't think would ever happen. Aragon was speechless. Aragon. I got to know who you are. I got to know who you are. It's going to be dangerous. I, I just need to know. I need to I, know. Murtag, I'm the son of Morzan. Aragon, 
surprised she could peek at you mean. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it was interesting to me that like Aragon is speechless and Safira is immediately antagonistic. Like she's immediately on the defensive, like ready to pounce immediately distrustful which understandably so but it's just interesting to me that that's like always her go-to reaction and then aragon's like wait what right and i like his first question is you are his heir question mark like <laughs> not the how is this possible are you lying what's happening not Right. And like, also it was that I agree that stuck out to me because it was just so odd of phrasing and like why you didn't say you're really his son. Like, oh, he's your dad. Your your phrasing is you're his heir. Like what? Um. So, yeah, that was odd to me. OK, but I do think that. We see Murtag's, um, we've already talked about his emotions being a theme um, throughout this book so far. And I think we see that perfectly on display here because, first of all, when Aragon starts questioning him, some of the, the words we get to describe Murtag are anguish, frantic. Those are very emotional states of being. Um, and then also I wanted to talk about something and Austin, this is usually your job. This is usually what you bring up. So I am eclipsing you in this, but it was really, really interesting to me that Murtag's response is to tear his clothing. And of course he does it to show, um, the scar, but the act of tearing your clothing is something that has been done in other communities, like in our world. And I'm thinking specifically of Jewish and very early Christian communities. Like this was a practice that they did. This is in the Bible in a lot of different places. When people are experiencing tragedy, grief, when they are um, convicted, like of the things that they've done wrong, tearing their clothing is a practice that they do to show other people I'm grieving. I'm I've done something wrong and I'm repenting for it. Like those kinds of things. So I brought a few examples with me of times that this has happened in the biblical narrative. So first of all, Jacob tears his clothing when he thinks that his son, Joseph has died. In reality, Joseph has been sold into slavery. Um, but regardless and then King David and his soldiers tear their clothing when they learn that Saul and Jonathan have died. And lastly, Job tears his clothing while he's grieving for his children. And so I was just curious what you thought, and we can kind of have a conversation about it. Like, how does this compare to, to Murtag's situation? And what does it say about Murtag's grief? I think what it shows is... It could also be a symbolism for, like, look how committed I am. Like, I'm this committed to this, or I'm this truthful about this, or I'm this invested in this. You could interpret, like, the act of tearing the clothes that way. Um, even though it's mostly associated in the Bible and Jewish culture with your grief, with, like, or atoning for something you've done wrong. But I, th I want to like call us back to what Murtag says his only crime is, which is existing. 
that's his only crime. And I just feel like we're getting a lot of things that like Murtag both feels and feels internally and has it put upon him that he somehow has to atone for what his father's father did, that the sins of the father are put onto the son, this theme that comes up tons of times in our literature over and over again. And I mean, even in stories we love, like if we talk about Star Wars, like Luke in it of itself is an in him of himself is an atonement for Anakin's sins. Like, we can talk about Anakin's redemption arc all we want, but it's really Luke who does the atonement, like the act of making things better because of Anakin's sin. And so this idea that the son is responsible for that and Murtag and Aragon are now presented as foils to each other because Aragon has had destiny thrust upon him and he has steered into it and run into it. Murtag has a destiny or life thrust upon him and he is running away. And so now they, the, I feel like this is the climax of the point of the point of no return to where the ideal ideological wedge is drawn between Aragon and Murtag. I definitely agree with that, but also I think that Aragon is so arrogant that he can only see his own opinion. He can only see where he's coming from it because he can't recognize, even in this moment, he can't recognize like, oh, I set this off. I am the one that caused this because I said, oh, well, you can atone for this that you did. It can be your atonement when he's already been wrestling this whole entire time with atoning for his entire existence. And that's where Murtag is always coming from, I think, so far that we've seen. And, you know, for me, I think what you said is really interesting about how um, he's basically feels like he has to atone for the sins of his father. I don't know if I agree with that yet. Maybe my opinion will change once I get more into the rest of the books, but I feel like in this moment, he's very much grieving for the life that he'd never got to have. Um, he sees Aragon talk about Brahm and the bond he has with Sephira. And I'm sure that Murtag's jealous because I bet he's never had that in his whole entire life. He very much strikes me as a person who has never had a friend until now who's never had a parent look after him. And we know that at least the one parent he did have, we don't know about his mom yet, but the one parent he did have abused him and almost killed him. So I, I see that this is a moment of, of Murtag grieving over what he lost, what actually what he never had, what he could have had and what the people around him had. And it's, it's both grief and deep jealousy. Yeah, and I think that it comes into, like, if we think about it in a lot of ways, Aragon has experienced what you should experience from parental figures, which is unconditional love. Murtag has never experienced that from a single individual in his entire life, let alone his own family. Exactly. And that's the difference between the two of them. Right. I mean, even this, the point of like Murtag still, or not Murtag, Aragon probably still, even though he's afraid of Rorin and he's afraid of this confrontation and the atonement that Aragon himself has to make to Rorin, 
yeah, I still think even Aragon deep down says, well, Roran still loves me. We're family. Like, even if Garrow is being hard, then Garrow still loves me. We're family. Braum was like a father to me. He loved me just because I was there. Like, every instance of Aragon's mentors or people who has formed his life have shown him kindness for the sake that he's a human being. Even even Horst, the only person that we've really been introduced to who is directly involved in Aragon's life, who has not shown him unconditional love and kindness is Sloane. Murtag, like, and it's a great way on how, like, trauma shapes people differently. Because, you know, Murtag has lost the same, like, Murtag is an orphan. He doesn't know his parents, really. He grew up in a foster system like it was different than Aragon but they have very similar backgrounds but the way that their trauma has shaped them is different and that Aragon still believes he can trust in the good of people and Murtag is in a state of like I know better than that the world is not that kind yeah um I tend to fall on the side of Murtag in this situation I don't know if that makes me a, a traumatized individual too um but I just I just am finding it a really hard to understand where Aragon's coming from in these moments. So enough trauma and we can finally get <laughs> off the first two pages of the chapter. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, Murtag finally agrees. It's like, okay, yeah, it's either go with you to the Varden or die. And I guess I'll go with you to the freaking Varden. Um, but Murtag is basically like, you need to know that they're going to know who I am and it's not going to be pretty. And Aragon's like, oh, it'll be fine. And it's not going to be fine. I don't know why he thinks it's going to be fine. Anyway, moving on. Um, the Urgles continue to push through and and like they basically have this semi battle almost. Um, Sephira is a badass the whole time. I don't know what they would do without her. They would they would be probably still fighting in the woods uh, without Safira. But regardless, um, she does a lot of really amazing things in this chapter. She like basically is doing battle tricks with the lake to surprise them. And she eats a man. And anyway, so she does a lot of really awesome stuff. She does get injured, though, because they do use their arrows to um, and they get her wings and everything like that. But Murtag also kills the lead Urgle by throwing his sword and then he goes and retrieves it. And it was that was also badass. Notably, Aragon does nothing. Um once again relies on everyone else around him. Um, but anyway, I won't hate on Aragon too much because he's just trying his best. Right. Well, I think that this is a point in Aragon's training, Aragon is really only good against a single opponent right now. He is not yeah. trained in group fighting or battlefield fighting. He's only sparred with Murtag and he's only sparred with Braum and occasionally one or two Urgles. Like he is used to one on men, one on one single opponent fighting. Murtag was obviously trained up probably by. Galvator like court swordsmen who taught him to mm -hmm. fight multiple opponents who trained him for a long time I mean I think that speaks to Aragon's natural skill that he's able to match a human who's probably been trained since he was old enough to hold a sword to fight and Aragon hasn't 
And then with Safira, like Safira is a hunter and is an apex predator in an ecosystem. She has these instincts and you can see this like hunter instincts coming up in that she's using the lake as moments of surprise and moving that and that she you know she's bulkier she has a natural armor with her scales she can fend off more than they can plus you have to remember that it's been a hundred years since anyone's seen a dragon outside of Galvatorix's and Morzin's and so at this point like I don't think the Urgles would be like how do we fight a dragon? Shoot it. I don't know. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. I my criticism is only for Aragod being a dumbass, not anything else. Um, but I assume this is my only prediction. Uh, I predict that that will continue and it will not stop. So I do want to revisit Murtag and his sword that he was throwing because I've watched a lot of um like combat martial artist and swordsman on TikTok talking about like the realistic in video games and other things like that. Um, and one thing they talk about is the difficulty it would be to throw a sword more than like five to 10 feet because you, there would be no guarantee and ability to like index it correctly where the point would actually go in. Like if you threw it to where it spins, there's no way to guarantee that it, buries itself now with a double-edged sword you have a little bit more because the edge could go into someone no matter where it hits but there's still no guarantee that it's, they're just hit with the hilt whereas you know like throwing knives you can whisk in a way that they just go straight forward um but i just thought that was interesting and i wondered how far murtag would be about that but then i stopped and said austin this is a fantasy series and this is a moment to just say hey look at murtag he's really cool True, but also I think it this heightens the urgency for me because it it makes them they're very close to where they are standing. So I feel like it's possible. Um, but the last thing I wanted to talk about is you know Eric they've just they figured out they're in the wrong place and they've got to make it all the way over. I couldn't really understand like how far it was. Um, I was having a hard time picturing that, but regardless they basically have Murtag with a knife at his throat and Aragon gets like whisked up out of the water. And the whole time he's like, well, I know it's not Safira, but I hope it's Murtag and not an Urgle. And it's neither of them. It's a dwarf man. Um, and I wrote in my notes, dwarf, all caps, underlined four times, rescues Aragon. And then I wrote, there's a mix of men and dwarves. And I was like, this is what I talked about earlier, isn't it? Why did I think the Varden were all 100% elves? Um, clearly, they're not. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're introduced to them, and they end up going with them. That's where the chapter ends, really. So we'll have that to wait till next time. Next time to kind of meet the Varden and see who they are. We will. I have no predictions because I was too stunned to speak. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, then uh, thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast. We will see you next time.
Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Inheritance Page or email us at inheritancepage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups Podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you. May the stars watch over you and may peace live in your heart.